Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, Ernest Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome to this session. It's so great to have you all here, wherever you're listening around the world, whether you're listening to hearing me and my guests on iHeartRadio, WAXE, or whether you've got it on podcast in 61 countries around the world and counting. I am so grateful for all and for the lovely notes you send, the tweets, the social media posts, the emails, letting me know what you're learning from my guests and how your perspectives are shifting. Because for me, there is nothing better than knowing that this show is making a difference for you and helping you move forward with whatever you do in your life. And I'm blessed because I get to meet some amazing, amazing people. My purpose on this show is to bring those people to you so that you also have a chance to experience the incredible mind-shifting content that they have. And today's guest is no different. I met her at the Vero Beach Book Center a little over a week ago when she was presenting her new book, The Five Gifts, Discovering Hope healing and strength when disaster strikes. And I've been trying to figure out how to introduce Dr. Lori Nadell on on the show, and it's almost impossible. So what I'm going to do is, is, Lori, you know, welcome to the show, first off, because your book is so transformative and helpful. Thank and, you. Um, I appreciate being here. Thank you so much. It, it, it's really an, an honor to have you on because the work you're doing has become even more critical. So I, w- I want to dive right in and a little background. You know, you're a former award-winning, uh, you're a former journalist, you're um, a doctor who deals with critical incident stress management, you've worked with 9-11 survivors, you've, you're working with Parkland, you've, I mean, you've covered some, helped some of the most horrible situations that we've seen in the world today. That's a calling, if I've ever heard one. Yes, it is a calling. So uh, uh, people say, like, what, what, what caused you? How did you get into this work? And I, I say, kind of, the work kind of called me. Uh, I was a news writer and producer for twenty years, and <clears throat> what happened would happen from time to time, and, and I think it happened to all of us. Although people don't talk, people didn't talk about it. They start to have nightmares about the. Uh, the footage of, that you'd watch every day, like eight hours a day, ten hours a day, that was carried in, uh, flown in, in the era before uh, so many satellites. Uh, occasionally, you'd have satellite feeds, and you know there were always uh, you were always looking at images of mayhem and destruction, and you had to be very clinical about it. But there, there were a couple of moments that I had where I started to really like be concerned about a mother, you know, holding her baby sitting in the, you know, at the pile of rubble that was that was once her home because of a an earthquake or or a bomb or a flash flood or you know something else or I would I would see like thousands of people, you know, running down the road of trying to get away from uh, a lava for example, like what, a little bit about like what's happening in Hawaii but in other parts of the world like Indonesia where people, you know, don't have early warning systems. And um uh, so I started to I started to really like ask myself what happens to these people, and I'm sure that they must need some kind of care or support. So when I changed careers in the late '80s, early '90s, I uh, went back to school to study psychology, 
and I decided that I would uh, I would specialize in uh, trauma and stress and how stress affects our health and uh, specifically what we now call post-traumatic stress and acute stress. And acute stress is what happens in the first three months after uh, after a, a, an event. Uh, like the Parkland shooting or the Hawaii volcano, uh, if it's something that affects you, your your home and your life directly. What I what I struggled with with the book was how do we get it in the hands of of everybody that needs to read it? Because for my my listeners know, and you know a little bit about this, that my mom passed away six months ago. I've been through a lot of trauma in my life, not parkland-like trauma, but a lot of things have happened to me that I flash back to, car accidents, walking across the street, getting hit by a car, a lot of things like that. And, but yet, and you have as well. You managed, though, to take a horrible incident that happened to you. You lived through Hurricane Sandy. You were barricaded up in your crawl space of an attic, and you discovered these five gifts, a way to help pretty much anyone go through all of the processes that you need to to come out the other side of a trauma feeling a bit more balanced. Is that a good way to describe it? That's a beautiful way to describe it. Thank you. So uh, there's so much. You know, the other part that was hard about this, Lori, was... I have so much I want to ask you. I could cover about six hours of show. Oh. <laughs> oh. So I, I want to dive in because I, I want to make sure we can cover some really co- good content here. You came up with these five gifts for discovering hope, healing, and strength during disaster because of your experience during Hurricane Sandy? Exactly. Um, I, I I hope that, uh, I really sincerely hope that of, of anyone listening, uh, if you've been through a natural disaster, uh, I can only offer you my, my support and empathy because uh, the, the recovery period goes on for years afterwards and uh, the cycle of help only lasts a few months. So in my case, uh, it, it, well, my case, in the case of about a million people in the Northeast who lost their homes to Hurricane Sandy, um, there was, um, it, you suddenly come up against institutions that you thought were friendly, like your, you know, like the bank that holds your mortgage or your insurance company, um, and, and you find out that they're really not your friends and they're, they're really not interested in what's best for you. Excuse me. They're only, you know, they, they they create they create additional hardship because of the you know lies that are kind of built into the process and harassment and um, they lose your paperwork like dozens of times because if you, you know, if you give up, then they don't have to turn over the money. They can keep earning interest on the money that they're holding, and suddenly you find, you know, that that from just kind of going along as an average kind of middle class citizen, that you're you're fighting. Uh, you're fighting for survival. You're fighting for your financial survival. You're fighting to preserve your home. And uh, it was really horrifying. So about four months into this process, I received a voicemail from my uh, homeowner's insurance company saying that the bank that uh, held the mortgage, which had seized my or confiscated my insurance settlement check, 
and was doling it out in small amounts after you know, certain stages of construction had been inspected. So once we, we kind of got through that, um, I thought everything would be fine, but they sent a letter to the insurance company telling them to cancel my insurance because my home had been abandoned. <laughs> now, my home had not been abandoned. My home was unlivable, which I left a voicemail. And I said, my home is unlivable. You know, it, has no, it has no floor. It has no sewage or garbage. It has no uh, water. It has no heat. It has no electricity. It has no walls. But you know that because your company gave me money to fix the house because of Hurricane Sandy. And so I received another voicemail later in the day, and it said, oh, I just checked your file. And I see that you are a Hurricane Sandy House, so I will not cancel your insurance. But by that time, I think I was so stressed out that I, I must have lost about, like, like, probably two or three years off my life. And, you know, my heart was pounding, and I just felt like, it, because once they cancel, or, or for some reason the banks, uh, you know, often play this game, they'll claim that you don't have insurance or they never received your certificate of insurance, and then they put you in a high-risk pool, um, and they, they're... They, they work with insurance companies or they own or they have a stake in insurance companies. And then they'll, they will charge you three times as much for the same insurance so that um, they make money off uh, basically their lie that you don't have or accusation that you don't have insurance. So is that how fact, you came up with the one the of the gifts, gifts, which is patience? Well, I'm very poor at patience, which is why it was so funny. When that happened, I just, I just decided if I was my own client, I would say take 48 hours and just like don't do anything related to you know the storm, the repair. Don't go to the don't look at the construction site. You know, just kind of leave everything, and you know it'll still be there in two days. And turn off the screens and turn off the phone and just do whatever you need to do to chill and relax. And so you know, I got a massage and I took a walk, you know, and I napped and you know I tried to. Kind Kind of, you know, get my get my blood pressure down and my heartbeat, you know, to kind of stabilize. And while I was meditating, I heard like my inner voice or or an angel voice or a higher voice, so a voice with a voice with deeper wisdom than than I have in my normal waking life, uh, whispered five words to me, which are humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And they repeated it, and humility patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And after I kind of absorbed those five words, um, I was told to write them down. I said, these are five gifts that will help you to recover from this, will help you to heal, and you will be able to share these gifts with others. And uh, then I saw myself kind of standing, you know, standing in the sun about a year down the road. And I was kind of, I was kind of shown, I was given that vision so that I could understand that this was not going to go on forever because that was the question that I had posed to my uh, inner world, if you will, or to my guides uh, when I sat down to meditate. You know, is this going to be my life from now on? You know, I've got my, am I going to be trapped in kind of a bureaucratic purgatory um, and this, this construction thing is never going to be over. And there's no, no, they showed me it, it, will, it would be over, and eventually it was over. So I started, uh, you know, kind of um, sitting with the five gifts, um, you know, reflecting on them, uh, sharing them, because I was running two long-term support groups uh, in, on the island where I was living, which is just southeast, uh, just south of New York City. And, uh, and, and people really resonated to them. 
because we would, you know, some people said that, you know, when they got upset, they would just say these five words, humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And I and love that. And we're going to end with that before for our first uh, commercial okay. break. We'll okay. be right back with more from Dr. Lori Nadell speaking about the five gifts. Dr. Nadell, Lori Yes. Let's let's start talking about a couple of the gifts. I know we're not going to have time to cover all of them, and I also want to make sure we cover something in your book called Emotional First Aid to help people right now, right away as well. Let's start with humility. What In, in the book, your definition of humility in terms of these five gifts was quite different from what most people tend to think of humility. Can you explain it to us and how we can use that gift to calm us under very stressful situations? Well, I'm curious how do most people define humility? Well, you know, they think of it as, oh, I'm, you know, it wasn't me. It was somebody else. Oh, you know, I, I don't really have the knowledge or the wisdom, you know, putting yourself down almost the way a lot of people tend to think of it. Yeah, so you're describing it as a kind of like a, a modesty um, or an inability to take, you know, to take credit yes. for something. Um, you know, that's an aspect, can be an aspect of humility, but I, I think humility is is kind of surrendering to, um, you know, to whatever has happened and to be able to say, um, you know, especially when we're talking about disasters, uh, it it's... It, it kind of allows us to detach a little bit and say, um, you know, this horrible thing that happened to me, uh, it, it could have happened. It, it, things like this happen to other people. Suffering is part of the human condition. And with humility, we can accept, you know, what the Buddha called the first noble truth, which is that to be human is to suffer. You know, no, nobody gets through the human journey without uh, some kind of suffering. You know, that's part of life. It's not all of life, fortunately, but humility takes the edge off that horrible feeling of powerlessness, and it, it, gets, it gets us to shift from asking why me to why not me. This happened to me. It happened, you know. I, I, I oh, what helped me a lot during the uh, aftermath of of the hurricane uh, <clears throat> throughout the whole period was from time to time remembering, you know, what's happening to you is happening to hundreds, uh, hundreds of thousands of people. A million people lost their, you know, lost their homes, and I would say probably, you know, conservatively, maybe two thirds to three quarters are probably having an identical or similar experience to you. Some better some worse but you know that's half a million people or three quarters of a million people so I would say to myself you know remember it's not it's not personal you know it feels personal because it is happening to your life but it's you know that whatever whatever has happened is 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 part of the the universal experience of suffering that we all have to go through and can learn from as part of this human journey all right. So when you're using this first gift of humility, and, and I love the way you described it, because I started going through a few things in my past history going, oh, if I had applied that, <laughs> I think I would have bounced back from it a little faster. But instead, you know, I, I, I hear this from people, you know, I hear this from people a lot. It's like, oh, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, humility, uh, you know, it, it helps with that, that feeling of victimization. 
And yes, of course, if you're if you're a victim of uh, you know of an assault, um, if you're a victim of a crime, you know if you've been sexually assaulted, it is it is very personal. But with humility, you can accept that um, this has happened to other people also. And as horrible, horrible as it is, um, and as uh, as treacherous as this as this person, you know, or people who wounded me are, um, I, you know, I'm I'm bleeding, you know, emotionally, or I'm bleeding inside. But you know, with humility, I can I can accept that you know the suffering that I'm going through. Is it's it's something that people go through throughout history, have gone through throughout history, and um, I'm not I'm really not alone in this, and I think that that's really you know it's kind of the connection that uh, it helps people to connect to some higher power or spirit or God or angel or guide. Uh, it, it has a very calming effect because then the ego gets out of our way. You know, the ego is going to say, well, why me? And why did this happen to happen to me? And, you know, these, these things only happen to me and they never happen to anybody else. And, of course, it's just my luck that this, you know, and, and all of that kind of self-talk immediately dissolves if we just ask for humility, the humility to accept where we are right now, even if it's not where we want to be. It's humility. And in, in the book on page 181... You and and I love this part of what you did at the everybody who's listening. If you go to pick up the book, the five gifts, discovering hope, healing and strength when disaster strikes at the end of each chapter around the gifts, you have five minutes a day to humility. Um, You're constant. We don't have time to go through every single one of them, but your idea of cognitive restructuring. Mm-hmm. Can you go through that? I mean, I read some of these. I'm thankful to be alive. I have my health, family, friends, and loved ones. Even though the person I love most in the world is gone and I feel like giving up, I'm doing my best to get through the day. That one really resonated to me with my mom having passed. How does somebody begin to do that for themselves? Create a well, new I, thinking. Well, I think you can create a new thinking by saying, you know, even though... Um, <laughs> Even though I, even though I'm devastated, um, I can accept. I, I can find something beautiful today, and I think I do somewhat. Somewhere in the book, I do have. I think I, I suggested as a as as an emotional first aid tool somewhere in the book. Um, I call it a, a, a news and goods journal, and every day uh, write down something that that happens that causes you to smile or, you know, makes your heart happy, even if it's just for a moment. And uh, you can you can uh, keep track of somebody smiled at you, um, you know, somebody, uh, somebody said hello, uh, you noticed, you know, your flowers are coming up, your kid did something funny, uh, you spent the afternoon with your pet, uh, hello, there are things that happen in the course of life, in the course of our daily life that will cause us to have even moments of happiness, sometimes more than moments, sometimes minutes or an hour of calm and peace that has absolutely nothing to do with the event. And um, those kinds of paying attention to those moments uh, will also help us to kind of accept the burden of our suffering 
with humility and grace. So with the cognitive restructuring, instead of the self-talk that, that says, you know, I'm so hurt, I'm so wounded, I'll never recover, this is all there is, you know, life is terrible, um, you know, people are vicious, um, you know, all of which are statements that are uh, probably have some truth to them in the context of a catastrophic or uh, a tragic event, uh, you begin to focus on something different. And as you begin to focus, you create like a new thought stream. And um, it's kind of like, like laying out a, a new audio track, if you will, that, that instead of constantly reminding yourself of how badly you're, you're hurting, that you start to focus on other elements. And, and the, the way to do that is to create you know, statements that are kind of affirmations or statements that kind of open up to the future by saying, you know, today, is, you know, today must be the worst day of my life, but um, tomorrow could be different. You know, I'm not, I'm not telling people, you know, to create these like Pollyanna affirmation statements that, you know, I'm happy all the time and the sun always shines through me and, you know, God has blessed me in every way because you're not going to feel that way in the moment. So with cognitive restructuring, you can, you can begin to kind of reposition yourself as kind of standing with one leg, if you will, in a pool of hurt and the other foot standing you know, on a, on a piece of ground that feels at best, you know, at, at worst, you know, kind of neutral and at best joyful. So you're, you're kind of beginning to inch your way mentally, you know, out of the, uh, out of the tragic soup that, that you're going to be kind of, that will it naturally kind of bruise in our heads after a catastrophic event. Perfect. And we're going to go into the national news break right now, which you having been a journalist, totally understand. We are here with yeah. Dr. Lori Nadell speaking about the five gifts. And after the national news, we'll be right back to talk about another one of the five gifts and some emotional first aid tips. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. If you're joining us on the podcast, if it was instantaneous, if you're listening to us live on the air, you you listen to the national news, and hopefully that did not stress you out too much. If it did, we're here with Dr. Lori Nadell, and she's going to help us clear through that. So, uh, Lori, we started talking about humility, one of the five gifts. The others are patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And I'd like to jump to growth, which is the last of the five gifts, just to talk about it, because the people that I know that lived through 9-11 or lost people through 9-11 or through the tsunamis or volcanoes or whatever it might be, or something as simple as, you know, it's not a massive national tragedy, but maybe they lost all their money or they got hit by a car when I personally know for myself or they saw somebody die in in front of them that they care about growth seems to be so hard for them to wrap their head around it seems to take forever you know the 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 time people you know one of the reasons i wrote this book is because you know people uh who've gone, gone, gone through something whether it's a car accident or september 11th uh or or parkland you know after two to three months you know the hope cycle stops and the story is no longer on the screen and uh, you know that people aren't coming over you know with casseroles or you know smoothies or whatever and uh and you're alone uh and you're, you're alone with the pain and people don't want to hear about it anymore because people don't 
that like to feel helpless. And when they see, you know, they see you hurt or me hurt and they care about us, you know, they, they, they want us, they want us to get better. So they start saying, what's wrong with you? You should be over it right now. Um, and it takes three to five years really to recover sufficiently so that it's not the first thing that you think about immediately. And it, it's not, you don't, you're not, it's not in the forefront of your consciousness all the time. And so I think that that's really, uh, with growth, you get to this place where you can look back and say, um, I would never wish it on anybody and I wish I hadn't gone through it, but I can honestly say that I wouldn't be who I am now. I wouldn't have learned what I've learned and I wouldn't be who I am now if it wasn't for going through this experience. I wouldn't have the friends that I have. Um, I've made these new connections with people. I wouldn't be as strong as I am. I wouldn't have the, uh, I wouldn't have the humility or the compassion that this has given me uh, to be able to be of support to others. So we don't, we can't really make growth happen. Uh, we are growing all the time. Uh, our cells are regenerating all the time. I mean, any bioorganism, as long as you're alive, you're going to be growing. And um, so I think it's it's important to understand that, you know, of of uh, of all of the gifts, uh, forgiveness, we need to be we need to think of it as forgiving, being in a forgiving state or a forgiving place, because it's not a light switch that goes off and on. And growth is really the experience of growing as a result of having gone through this experience. Have you seen people when they're going through this a crisis and they've started working through the five gifts when they start moving into growth and beginning to think about it that they get stopped by guilt? They're almost afraid to move forward that they um, need to hold it still? Well, the, you'll never give it up. I mean, it, it becomes part of, you know, how you position uh, your view of life. I mean, it's something that changes you forever. And by the time, you know, you get to the stage of, of growing where you can actually look back at who you were at the time of that event and really experience yourself as somehow different, as stronger, uh, more more positive uh, in the sense that, you're you're not you're not like like bent over in pain or not able to sleep or um, horrified, you know, in shock. Uh, you know, the first three to six months, you know, after an event, we're kind of in shock, and we have to make critical survival decisions, especially you know if there are, if, if if there's like loss of home or possessions or medical issues involved. You've know, had an accident and you're emotionally in shock, and now suddenly you know you're you're a patient in a big institution and um, you know you're you're kind of trying to manage your way through that experience when you're in a weakened state when you get to growth you know nothing changes the fact of what you had to endure but you realize that you know your your bones have healed um you're able to walk um you know your 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 house is uh, is being rebuilt um, you are able to watch the news without, um, you know, wanting to throw up. Uh, you know, people who've been through lost someone in 9/11, uh, they they do experience anxiety every summer because as the anniversary approaches, you know, the media starts showing the pictures of the attack. Um, so, you know, there's there the, the feelings uh, that accompanied the loss will come back. 
but they don't debilitate you. And when you reach the point where you can say, look, that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to turn off the TV or I'm not going to watch it now, um, you end up, uh, you, you can realize then that, hey, I think, you know, I'm, I'm growing from this. I'm making better decisions for myself. I'm taking better care of myself um, and those I love. And, um, and when you get to that place, then you are experiencing the gift of growth. You yourself have not only have been through a number of really horrific, traumatic stress situations in your career as a journalist and your career as a therapist helping at some of the worst crises we've seen here in America. From your own perspective, how do you spend your five minutes a day of growth? I mean, I can't even imagine... I mean, I'm the person that everybody comes to when there's a crisis to help them figure out their thoughts and, and whatever. But it's it's a hard thing to just hold your own center doing it. Well, I, I would say that, you know, while I was going through it, you know, after Hurricane Sandy, I mean, that was that was that was that was very rough. Um, you know, it was just uh, and, and yet I knew, you know, from running these support groups in town, that my experience was kind of no different than most people, and it was probably a little little better than what a lot of people were going through because at the time I didn't have kids living with me, so I you know I wasn't like frantic you know kind of trying to keep them in the same school and trying to do all the you know all of the legal and uh, you know financial and construction supervision and you know all all the stuff that that uh, was going on as well as coping with the loss of you know the loss of a way of life that I'd had for 20 years because I, I lived someplace where you didn't have to lock your door. And since the storm, you know, you do have to lock your door. I mean, it just was normal for most places in the world, people lock their doors. But, I, you know, it was, it was losing that sense that, you know, it was no longer this safe, sweet little community that, it, you know, that it had been for 20 years. So that, that, was, that was difficult. I spend my five minutes a day, you know, kind of looking out the window wherever I am and um, just enjoying. I mean, I, I really, like, I, I love looking at the sky. I look, love looking at the trees. I, I like uh, in my office. I like looking out the window and seeing the river or when I'm at my desk, I can see boats going by. And so um, I appreciate, you know, being able to live near the water and I appreciate uh, being able to look at nature, and you know I've, I try to do it as much as I can. But those little five-minute windows are uh, really very soothing for me. On page two forty-one in the book, you have your five minutes a day to growth, and one of the I've had this happen a lot for my listeners, so this is why I'm picking this one. This is something they have a little difficulty seeing. So you give an exercise of seeing around the corner. Mm -hmm. Can you explain how somebody can begin to do that and why it's so helpful? Well, I'd like to go back, and I think, you know, in the book, I probably talk a little bit about uh, Victor Frankl, who wrote uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Yes. Dr. Frankl was in, uh, I was in several concentration camps, and I think it was in, when he was in Auschwitz, he suddenly he saw that people were throwing themselves against the electrified fence, and people were giving up, and he had a vision of himself, a very brief, probably a few seconds of a vision where he saw himself in a lighted auditorium, and he was warm, and he 
was telling people about um, he, was, he was telling people about uh, the Holocaust, and when he got that vision, uh, he knew that he was going to survive. He was going to make it through. He was going to make it his business to make it through, uh, so that he would be able to become that person. So I think when you know we talk about it, that ability to see around the corner, sometimes if you just close your eyes and you just ask, you know, in your mind, um, you know, what comes next or, you know, what's coming up or, you know, what's around the corner or you try to, you know, make a list of three things that you would like to have happen in the next six months. You know, I'd like to go on vacation. Um, you know, things that are achievable, not, you know, like, yeah, I want to be a millionaire or, you know, I want to be, I want to be on America's sure. Got These <laughs> things are not, not with, you know, the, 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 the thing that makes a problem impossible is when we frame the problem so that the outcome, the result, is in someone else's control. And I've seen this over and over and over again. The outcome, the result, has to be within your control. So make a list of three things that are achievable and realistic for you, you know, reasonable for you to do in the next six months. Um, you know, I'd like to go to I'd like to go to the movies three times. I'd like to, um, you know, I'd like to. Uh, uh, I, I want I want to I want to go visit my best friend uh, in California, and uh, I want to go on vacation. And maybe maybe the best friend and the vacation are the same thing and maybe they're not so so think of three things that you would like to have happen and then close your eyes and just you know make a little movie for yourself of what that's going to be like and that is it's like creating new neuron neuronal pathways in the brain you know you create these little movies you're, you're kind of creating something for the brain to move towards and we can we can keep reminding ourselves oh yeah um yeah, that's that was my. That, those are the things that I wanted for you know around the corner, in the next uh, six months. So you start like kind of like planting these little seeds. And if you're not visual, um, think about it in terms of you know what do you want to be telling yourself? What do you want to be thinking? What do you want to you know? What it goes back to you're making those cognitive restructuring statements. You know what do you, what do you want to reinforce that you believe in? That's okay. And well, my, my, we have my to go to commercial. Um, okay. Our sponsors are important to us. We'll be right back and we'll pick that right back up with Dr. Lori Nadine. Okay. So, Lori, let's just yeah. continue the thought that you were talking about. Oh, I was saying that, you know, with the seeing around the corner, um, you know, if you're, not, if you're not visual, you can create statements like, uh, my faith will be stronger or um, I'll spend more time with my friends. Um, I, I have a New Year's resolution that I make uh, every year. Uh, I've been making it for the last 30-something years, and it's uh, throw, out, throw out half of what you own and spend more time with your friends. And so, you know, when the hurricane took everything, um, uh, the, the town sewer pump broke during the storm surge. So when the tide went out, everything was contaminated with raw sewage, and the house, all the houses uh, on the island became toxic. And um, so I had to become a FEMA refugee, and I packed, you know, what, what wasn't contaminated. I, I packed it, you know, in a suitcase, and uh, I went uh, kind of roaming around the, uh, the country, visiting friends, visiting relatives, you know, eventually living in my friend's basement uh, in Brooklyn so I could get to my office. There was no electricity in the, the, uh, the southern half of Manhattan, or the southern third of Manhattan, from 34th Street South, and so I had to wait till the power came came back on before I could uh, go back so that I could go back to work. 
And um, so seeing around the corner is where you, you would say, uh, you know, I'm going to spend more time with my friends. I'm going to clean up what I don't need. I'm going to get rid of things that don't serve me anymore. Um, you can make those kinds of statements as, as kind of power statements uh, for a meaningful future. Another thing is you can, you can ask yourself, you know, if looking around the corner, what can I do? What can I give? Oh, you know, what can I bring so that my future can become more meaningful? So those are the kinds of questions that you can ask to see around the corner to make it more vivid. Uh, it's, it's not always going to come in a visual form, and not everybody is a visual thinker. And it, number one, I love the fact that you gave my listeners a whole bunch of different questions they can ask themselves to trigger a way to see around the corner, since to me, questions are the way to completely transform your thinking, increase Absolutely. neuroplasticity and, and stuff. It, the key I pick up on that is it has to be outcomes that are within your control. And you said that a right. few times. So often right. we like do the America's Got Talent thing, or um, but pick something that is possible for you to achieve, mm -hmm. that you can control it. It doesn't rely on outside factors. Right. So, you know, if you, if you want to, um, you know, study real estate, you know, your goal, your goal, ultimate goal is to be a millionaire. Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, how can you do that? Well, you can get a real estate license or you can uh, start, you know, you can, you can start, you know, buying houses or properties that need to be fixed up, you know, fix them up and then, you know, sell them and make a profit. I mean, there, there are steps that you can take along the way to achieve that goal. But, you know, I want to be a millionaire in six months and uh, without, without thinking about what piece of what pieces of that are potentially within your control and manageable and achievable and doable um, it's not going to happen because it, you know the, the money fairy I'm, I'm sorry to tell you this the money fairy probably doesn't know where you live you know I've been asking her to show up at my place for years <laughs> <laughs> if she comes to me and you send me your address I'll be happy to ask her to go to you but she hasn't shown up yet <laughs> I, that, but that's it's just but, so perfect. But it's a great goal to ha great goal to have. It's just you know what when you're 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 seeing or sensing or listening your way around the corner, you want to kind of break it down into what are what are the steps that I could take that would be reasonable, achievable, and within my control. When I work with that's my a great question. When I work with my one-on-one -one clients, okay. uh -huh. uh, they'll often do that. You know, I want to be a millionaire in six months, and I'm yeah. like, uh -huh. okay. That that's like seeing around the corner. If the block is you know a million miles long, let's just see around the corner of your house first. Right. Like take yeah. a small see around the corner, and then maybe right. a lot bigger one and a, a bigger one. It's, right. Right. I want to jump into yeah. Yeah. I want to jump into something else you talk about in your book. This whole concept. I really wanted to go over emotional first aid, but I think this okay. is is something good too. Questioning answers. You talk about how during stress you tend to ask questions that have yes or no and how you can reframe it to help you de-stress or avoid. Right. Take us through uh, that process briefly. Um, 
Well, yes, I, I think that you know what I found to be extremely helpful in all situations is uh, kind of step into the Socratic method, which is a way of asking open-ended questions. You know, we see it in courtroom dramas, but it's actually very easy to do. So instead of saying, um, you know, are you, well, are are you going to, uh, send, you know, are you going to send me my money, or you know, is the doctor coming to see me now? Um, you can ask a how question. Uh, for example, um, you know how um, uh, how how can I help you uh, to do what you need to do so that I can get paid, or uh, what else do you need from me so that uh, I can get paid, or how else do I need to look at the situation? You know, wh- where am I getting stuck? Uh, what else do I? What else can I be learning? Or um, you know, if you're in a, if you've had an accident, you're in the hospital. You say, um, how can I? Instead of is the doctor going to call me? That how can I get the doctor to call me? So questions that ask how, uh, basically process questions that imply that there is a solution. So you know, when you when you keep hitting the wall because you either you're asking yes no questions, or you're getting answers that are basically you know no answers or you know very vague uh, kind of um, you know for want of a better word uh, BS answers that are really frustrating. Try rephrasing your questions into open-ended questions uh, that that are process-oriented that use the word how or how else or why not questions. Well, why not? Or what if? You know, what if we look at this a little differently? Okay. Um, you know, what, and that, that's, that's actually a really good, powerful engine for opening up a question. And since As we, you know very well, because you, you ask great questions. Thank you. We, we only have a couple of minutes left to the show, okay. and I, I know people are going to want to reach out to you and find out how to get this book. So please share how people can get the book and how they can reach out to you if they need some help. Well, thank you for asking. Um, you know, you, you kind of brought this up at the beginning. We do want to get the word out, uh, and, and you can help uh, by reading the book. Um, it, it is going to be available in, in libraries in a few months, and uh, it's also available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and in all independent bookstores and uh, Barnes & Noble bookstores. So um, when you uh, have looked at the book, you have read the book, please spread the word, please share it. Uh, with friends and talk about it and let people know uh, that this book is available to help people who are recovering from uh, you know catastrophic events or traumatic events of any kind and I really really would appreciate it i I really um, I'm very big on what I call the reach out to humans movement. So human to human interaction, I think is what we need right now. We need to really, I think, incorporate it consciously and mindfully into our lives because everything is so automated and digital. So, so true. And I, I just, we have, we have power. I want to make sure people can find out how to reach out okay. to you if they need some help. My, Thank you. My website is laurienadel.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E-N-A-D-E-L.com. All right. Last thought you'd like to share? Um, uh, last thought is uh, you, you. thank you so much for listening. You are stronger than you know, and whatever it is that you may have gone through, uh, my heart goes out to you, and uh, the book is here to help you get through and get stronger. And. Dr. Nadell, thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I know that you've helped a lot of my listeners just with what we thank talked you. about. 
Everybody go out, go out and grab a copy of The Five Gifts, Discovering Hope, Healing, and Strength When Disaster Strikes by Dr. Lori Nadell. I can tell you that it has helped me tremendously, even just dealing with the loss of my mom and a few other traumas in my life. And remember, everyone, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Take a breath, learn the emotional um, tips to first aid, and remember, you're not alone. been listening to it's all about the questions starring laura stewart connect with laura at it's all about the and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today